You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour Online Radio Broadcast With your on-air host Christopher Albert He is going to amaze you Surprise you Or sadly underwhelm you That's for you to decide In the meantime Stay tuned It's The Junk and Jam Hour With Christopher Albert As heard only on Radio Free Brooklyn Which means it's Monday And some of you are still white girl wasted I guess you can be black girl wasted too But that sounds racist So we'll just say white girl wasted Yeah White girl wasted Right here on The Junk and Jam Hour Hello Happy Monday everyone Whether you are still white or black girl wasted we welcome you. This is the Junk and Jam Hour, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, the nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station which streams original content by uh, local New York City artists, broadcasters, journalists, writers, and DJs. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week we are here. Um, now, as you know, I'm often not alone. Uh, my very special guest joining me in the studio today, uh, she is a comedy writer and performer right here in New York City. She writes everything from satirical sketches, plays, and essays, which are often rooted in the topics of politics and, of course, women's issues. Uh, she's a highly educated woman, <laughs> an undergrad of the University of Mary Washington, uh, receiving a BA in English and Music. Um, she's a graduate at SUNY Buffalo where she earned her Master's of Arts in English. Uh, She's a serious student of her craft. Uh, She trained and performed comedy at the Washington Improv Theater, Dojo Comedy Upright Citizens Brigade, and comedy writing at at the Second City. Hello! Her work has been featured on Funny or Die, as well as sketch festivals in Chicago, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C., and we are so very happy to have her here. Please help me welcome comedian writer... I want to say satirist. I don't know where to emphasize that. Satirist. Satirist. Yeah. Aspiring TV writer, Natalie Safe. Hello, Natalie. Hello, Christopher. Yay. This has been weeks in the making. It's true. We've yes. been talking about this forever. We've been. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't wait. I walked here when we yeah. started talking. <laughs> Will you look lovely? Thank you. Which I feel like is a little sexist. To tell me I look lovely because I'm a woman. Yeah. And Even though I am so used to it, I feel like I'm being a gentleman. Mm-hmm. It's something a gentleman would say. I don't think it's like, you know, necessarily sexist. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I love being told that I look lovely. Great. In a now, um, we have lots to cover. You're a fascinating writer. Thank you. you, I, you I would say humorous too. Thank you. Satirist. Yeah, the the humor, the satire. That's the part that oh, I really want to be fascinating. And I mean, you you introduced me so well. My goodness, you must have done so much googling of me. <laughs> I know who I'm coming to to write my biography. That's right. That's right. Well, you are deserving, and we are glad to have oh. you here. But first, we're gonna do. We are gonna do. We are gonna take. You are gonna take part. Oh boy. Help me take part in our first segment of today. So let's get right into that. 
<laughs> of course, it is our not so fake, really weird news segment. Not so fake, really weird news. So, um, you know, I've just put together, curated some news articles. Nice. I mean, the news is just saturated with bummer things. Some pretty heavy things. <laughs> some heavy stuff. Yes. Nothing to write home to mom about. Not in a pleasant way, no. <laughs> Unless you need to warn her. Just call her. Call her. Don't write to her. Don't, don't make it a permanent written document. It's already too much to bear. No, it's already. So, you know, we look for fun things, I guess. You need you need some fun to balance out the We'll see how misery. fun they are. Okay. <laughs> so, um, this, um, we actually go to Scotland. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, that was Scottish. Oh, oh, Hello, hello. I don't know. Cheerio. It's, oh, it's kind I of a mix. Forget, uh, I can't do it. <laughs> I know. You have to say something Scottish. That, Scottish. That was it, yeah. You're like my guilt. Brilliant. No, yeah, I can't do it. Kind of, I am part I like, Scottish. I, I, like, I, like, 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 I like English. I can do that. Yeah, that's that's a little more uh, accessible. Scottish? Scott. Hey, hey there. Yeah, that it's, might it's be a little your, more. what do they say? That's like your anchor word when you're doing an accent. Yeah, I'm always looking for that anchor word. Right. Anyway, (laughs) so a Scottish family vacationing in one of the country's islands found a message in a bottle. Romantic. Launched originally from Maine 21 years ago. So it traveled 2,833 miles across the ocean over the course of 21 years. Now, the guy's name is Mike and his family. They were on the Scottish island. Um, where they noticed a plastic, out of all things. Look at how long that lasted. Oh. It was a plastic bottle. 21 years. It lasted 21 years. Yeah. How did they know how old it was? Because it was dated. So, the message that wrote that, that was in the bottle was, Hello, my name is Matt Rhodes. Please write back. Um, now, Mike was able to find Matt on Twitter. Whoa. Matt is now 34 years old. He sent it when he was 13, living in New Hampshire, when he threw the bottle into the ocean Wait. in 1998. <laughs> Mike was able, Mike the Scottish vacationer, was able to find with his Matt family with his family on Twitter. Was able to find Matt on Twitter. Because he said, he said his name. I guess he left his name, Matt Rhodes. And he found, he found the Matt Rhodes on Twitter. Well, that's, that's some impressive sleuthing, I guess. Yeah. It's it's crazy. <laughs> so so the Matt was was like stunned that yeah. it was been able to found. I mean that was most of his life, twenty one years. More he's than only thirty four. Yeah. Um, he he. The only thing is, he wishes he would have written. He would have written something more substantial. Yeah. What did? <laughs> well, that would worked. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it say? Like, what happened after they connected? On no, it? I think that's it. It's it says like, read more, success. but we, why bother? <laughs> success. We got the we got the highlights, the cliff notes. <laughs> you're 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 you know, white girl. I am Caucasian. You are Caucasian from yes. Silver Spring, Maryland. That's accurate. Have you ever done anything silly like that? Like put a message in a like, plastic yeah, bottle and send well, it across the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. <laughs> oh, let me think. Something silly like that? I mean, I've... You've carved your name into a tree oh, with hearts. Carved my name into... Ooh, I... um. When I was younger, there was this like playground near the house that I grew up in. And I thought it would be really fun if my friend and I used 
like a, a lip balm to write our initials on the back of a slide. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. That super. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's we were cute. rule breakers. Um, but we were, <laughs> we were scared of getting caught. So we made up fake names got and it. then like wrote those initials yeah. on the back of the slide and still got caught. And there was this neighbor who... Um, did not forget that we vandalized the slide. <laughs> and I still have a Gosh. guilty conscience about that to this day. You see, people think, like for me, from the hood, that white people have it so easy. But no, they still have also white nosy neighbors. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a traumatic memory from my childhood. That <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so now moving on, we're going to move to Spain. Okay. Where Spanish police have arrested... Oh boy. A gentleman of a certain age. Let's go. Let's I don't know how old he is, but these pictures look crazy. <laughs> the suspense S- is killing me. Yeah, so apparently uh an incident in Barcelona airport. Go figure. Kidding, kidding. Involved drug smuggling using a very low-tech approach. So a man was arrested after drugs, specifically cocaine, was found underneath his toupee. All right. This is your happy news story? Yeah, no way. It doesn't necessarily have to be happy. <laughs> You're right. That was Just my odd, weird. So they found a half a kilogram of cocaine worth about 30,000 euros. How much? 30,000 euros? Yeah, under his oversized wig. Oh, so they, apparently they found him some suspicious because under his hat. His toupee was kind of huge. Ah, oh, dude, you can't overcompensate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly he had a lot to hide, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to you got to go for some realism. So obviously, you're you know used to vandalizing with with lip balm. Oh yeah, have you ever I'm had to smuggle rebel. something somewhere? Never had to smuggle something. And what was your smuggling place of oh, choice? Man, Christopher, I don't know if I've. Smuggle? I mean, oh, well... Maybe out of class. Okay. I'm going to bring this back. Here's the deets. I have (laughs) smuggled a single-serving size uh, sparkling rosé can into a movie theater. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) that's an every lifestyle. I love that. Um, Yeah, I smuggle a lot of drink into movie theaters. Yeah, we do that. Not just... We just bring in a plastic bag, but we do put it in our book bag. Yeah. You some got it. Snacks. Some movie theaters are better about checking than others. Yeah. But seriously, I think that's like the most salacious thing I've yeah, smuggled. We like I mean, that. my line of work, you, you can't uh, toe yeah, the line too much in smuggling. Apparently, Natalie here is part of part of the law enforcement, which we'll get into. So that that gentleman with the cocaine in his, in his toupee would not have been able to get by you I will tell you on that oh I would have stopped him so hard <laughs> excuse me sir with my words and my analytic capabilities <laughs> you lick your hand and you try to fix excuse me sir you have a hair <laughs> your toupee looks too big something you lick your hand and you try to put it and you're like wait a minute <laughs> you pull it off like, yeah. like a Scooby Doo mask <laughs> right uh, yeah I mean I do that working where I do I can do that to anybody anyone like lick my hand and then fix, fix their, their hair. hair. Yeah. Until you notice something else is much more wrong. Yeah. Otherwise, situation. crime would just crime so much. Crime's about to occur. So this is the last. This is not crime related. All right. Or like fun message in a bottle related. Could be a little icky. So. Oh, I kind of like icky. All right. Okay. So a man went to the optometrist. Because he had pain. He he had pain in his eye for a few weeks. Responsible choice. He tried so many things. 
like sleeping it off, mm-hmm. eye walking drops, it off, eye drops, staying away from the computer, all of that. <sighs> He's from Kentucky. We go to Kentucky. He went to the so he went to the eye doctor for eye orientation, and found out that it was caused by an eight-legged blood-sucking critter. Ooh. So apparently, the optometrist numbed had to numb his eye and remove a tick. Oh with no! Tweezers. Oh, that's like some Grey's Anatomy shit. Yes. Uh. So, um, he was a little scared. That yeah. This gentleman. Tweezers in his eye. Uh, his name is Chris Prater. And when the optometrist told him that, oh, it's, it's a tick that's bothering you, mm-hmm. <laughs> he thought he was joking. Ew, so they, they told joke. him that it was like a deer tick or some type of tick, so they had oh, to remove it. Those are so small. Like, how could he yeah. even... Oh, I'm having trouble. Obviously, they had to go in and see what it was. Ugh. When you said eight-legged critter, I thought you were going to say a spider. Right. Like, which well, at least I can which wouldn't be too bad, but obviously out. the ticks latch on. Yeah, Ooh. which is why they had to use the twitters. But they got it out. He's been recovering fine with which some antibiotics, and obviously Good. he doesn't have Lyme disease or anything. I don't. We we won't Hopefully know not. yet. <laughs> Hopefully well, <laughs> not, Chris. And the moral of the story is go well, to the, the moral optometrist. Of the story, right. So if you're in the area, so now usually they tell you to check around like under your arms. Around your ears, yeah. maybe around your belly button, because you know those it's are things crevice. that could be hit in some crevices, wherever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A nice warm, moist, moist area. Place. Bugs love those. They the love them, <laughs> and so you never really think of your eye. Yeah, that's not. Which what is I one of my fears. I'm like, where am I gonna get that away from me? You're too close. So many crazy things can happen to your eyes, and it's terrifying. <laughs> like I, I close my eyes so often just to not have to. I know. To have to think about that. Oh my god, so scary. So scary. Mm-hmm. So moving on. Oh. Natalie Seth. Christopher Albert. You are a comedian, writer, satirist, aspiring TV writer with a bunch of scripts under her belt. That's right. Damn right. Yeah. Uh, you're originally from Silver Spring, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Born and, born and raised. Love that. <laughs> um, was there anything... When did you move? You moved, obviously, for higher education. I did, yes. Could you not like get it out of Maryland any faster? <laughs> now, looking back, that's probably the attitude that I should have had. I think because oh. like eventually, I did end up kind of far from Maryland. I mean, I'm in New York now, and yeah. like I'm <sighs> planning a farther move in the next few months. Yes. Um, but when I was when I was in high school and applying for colleges, I was just like super attached to my dog. <laughs> I think I like couldn't imagine going that far away from him. Yeah. So uh, I only ended up applying to schools uh, in Maryland, Virginia. Okay. And right. I ended up and, going and nearby. Yeah. And nearby. Yeah. Which is just like not something that I had thought would yes. be the case when I like finally got around to applying to colleges. But you know that's what happened for undergrad anyway. Yeah. Well, you eventually ended up coming to to New York. Right. Yeah. Um. So, but you are, you know, in your college days, you knew at least. Whatever your ventures were, you know, you you thought you were going to be, like, really into academia, and you thought that's where your career was going to take you, but you were yes. still a writer. Yeah. You you, re- you were a recipient 
of an Academy of American Poets Prize. Oh, this is like one of my favorite brags. <laughs> That's a great brag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I took this great poetry class um, with the Pulitzer Prize winning poet, Claudia <sighs> Emerson. Love it. Um, and it was, it was like kind of a tough choice for me to take that class because it was a creative writing class. And while I had been doing creative writing since a young age, I kind of got to college and shied away from creative writing because I had this idea that it was a little too like self-indulgent and egomaniacal okay. and I was like well I'm not like anything special of a writer but there are lots of special writers out there who need people to like read and interpret and teach their stuff and right. I really liked doing that I went to a small liberal arts school where the discussions in literature classrooms were mind mind-blowing to me yeah. like just totally changed my life um, so I was like, okay, this is this is a cool kind of thing I want to do. I don't need to write new stuff. I just want to like teach people how to read and make that better their lives. Right. So you wanted to foster and nurture other people's writing. Yeah, I would yeah, say so. That was that. Mm -hmm. That was that. At that time. Yeah, but then I took this poetry class my last <laughs> semester of college. Poetry. Poetry. Oh, this is my own ASMR sound of my voice. Talking <laughs> words I like. Um, yeah, and I ended up taking it pass fail, which was stupid because creative <laughs> writing class, like if you do the work, you're gonna get an A. Like they can't Just grade it, it subjectively. But I was all like, oh, right, you know, like exactly. I'm not a creative writing like concentration, so I took it pass fail, and then it didn't help my GPA, which is annoying. Um, but yeah, it was a lovely class, and I had not written a lot of poetry before. Yeah. I was 22 when I was taking it, and was just, you know, really coming into my own as a writer. Um, so, so. At some point, you were like, wait a minute, I have a voice, too. Yeah. And it is kind of special. Yes. And I think I also grew into the idea that um, it's, like, you shouldn't shy away from, like, thinking your own voice is special. Yeah. Because even if other people don't think it is. But they will, <laughs> as long as you don't. Yeah. That's hindsight. Well, just things that you learn over time. <laughs> yeah. I would say other people are not going to think it's special if you don't you think don't, it's special yeah. first. Because you're putting in that effort. Yeah. And also, like, I don't know. Who wants to admire someone who just, like, hates themselves and, like, doesn't know well, what they're worth? Well, I think the emo years were pretty big at some point. That's true. That was a good three to four years. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's what I was doing at that point. I'm totally emo. This is like too like self-indulgent. Uh, I just love not caring about things. Uh, I'm just going to go up and watch Daria. Oh, it was a big Daria thing. Daria was like, Daria was the shit. That was like the only animated program that I enjoyed for a long time. I can time. see that. <laughs> Thanks. I was more of a Ren and Stimpy when it came to MTV. Okay. Yeah. That was a little too dynamic for me. <laughs> SpongeBob. South okay. Park, all yeah. before Family Guy, but The Simpsons as well. Yeah, sure, The Simpsons. All influenced my sense of humor. Do you watch BoJack Horseman now? I have. Yeah. It's just still too much. We will it's talk about that because I know you're a big TV. Well, yes. Fanatic. <laughs> How do you find the time? Okay, so you you were also a musician. I you played was. the flute for 12 years. Uh, R&B singo, 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 R&B singer Lizzo. I think I know where this is going, yeah. <laughs> Is a flautist she herself. Is. She's amazing. Amazing bringing flute playing to the masses. Yeah. Good if for her, only right? she was around while you were playing flute for yeah, all that time. Thinking I know. it was 
I was what did you think, born honey? too early, man. Like I just, <laughs> I gave up flute because I did not think it was, it was cool. cool. Yeah, but again, it's what you think of it. It's true, and what, yeah, what you can do with anything. it. I will say though that like one of the challenges of making the flute cool is like it's not like the piano or any string instrument where you can easily switch between like playing the instrument and singing. No, like wind is hard. Yeah, so with well, the flute, it's like singing. I, I still have to do some muscles. Right. We still have to do some similar exercises yeah, or yeah. Farinelli's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, but now you don't play anymore. No. Would you consider playing? I mean, li- I mean, it's another language that you've learned and it you is. took the time to learn. Yeah. I think I would love to. I mean, that's where a lot of um just sort of my like my like wordless love of creativity comes from. Ugh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what sure, I mean. Like it's, it's part of it. It's an art it's that part of doesn't require language. So yeah. that was kind feeling. of an important thing once, for me. Once you learn the language, it's all about the feeling. How do you emote something through this instrument and have someone else feel that same thing? Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. we just got really hippy dippy here. We did. We're getting a little ethereal. But now, as a as a as a woman, yes. You're you're okay with being this dork now. I feel like as I gotten older, I'm like, yeah, I'm a dork, so what? Yeah, that's kind of part of the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. It's cool to be weird. Who you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How then has mastering um, the art of musicianship, because you did, do you mm. feel like that's... I love that you're assuming I mastered it and you've never heard years. me play. Well, listen. <laughs> hey, I know a lot of bad musicians expect, who play for 12 years. I expect anyone studying any craft, yeah. at least, you know, after I think eight years, some. eight years is the tipping point where you're like, wow, I'm oh, getting really good at this. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I mean, you're not wrong. How many I was hours, a prodigy. Right? I, was I love amazing. it. You can, you can admit to it. Yeah. Everybody wanted me. Could have been the next James Galway. (laughs) (laughs) Now, has being a musician at one point, does that still inform your current work? I think so. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an emotional... (laughs) (laughs) It's such an emotional um, component of... uh, television which is like my current uh obsessive art form part of tv is audio yeah that's what makes the scene a lot of the times um and i wasn't i wasn't studying like contemporary like pop music classical um but yeah i i think just as much as i mean we're all we're all music addicts you remember like you remember when facebook first came out and you you would sort of like list the basic things in your bio like favorite um hobbies favorite sure. music yeah i i was like a you a, just copied your myspace over yeah basically <laughs> well i i mean i was in uh i was like about a college freshman or so when facebook like was becoming big and uh i would so i would go through like all the facebook profiles of new people i was meeting in my freshman class at college and uh and most people under music would just be like, love music, like love, love a little love bit it. of everything. Thumbs up. And I'm thinking like, what, can you what imagine being a person specifics? who's just like, I'm not that into music. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> There was an episode, uh, I feel like there was an episode on, uh, um, 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 what's one of your favorite shows? Um, the Big Bang Theory, I think. That's the last season. Oh, okay. I forget his name. The Indian one. Where he had his I know who you're talking about, but I don't she, actually watch that show. Her character did not like music, so he oh, was Oh, really? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. man, the Big Bang Theory has beat me to that joke? What? <laughs> I should just retire. 
But yeah, I mean, I think that is the joke. Like, really? You don't like music? Yeah. And I also just think like... Kill yourself. I don't know. Unless you're... Like, some people obviously are like music lovers and are very dedicated and like will have very particular tastes. But I feel like for the most part, at least the people who are like filling out Facebook yeah. profiles in my freshman year of college, um, like people, I just don't think people's tastes are that varied. <laughs> is that like having a Not very yet. low opinion? Of- Not yet anyway. And you know, I mean, this is why we go to museums. This is why we go to theater. This is why we take classes. This mm-hmm. is why we continue to... It's just funny, you know, if someone, like, tells you, like, you know who's a really good musician is Lady Gaga. Like, you wouldn't think that already. But isn't she? She's phenomenal. Prince was. (laughs) Yes. Stevie Wonder. I mean, all these people you think, oh, they're just pop icons. But no, they really are also musicians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True artists. True true artists. Artists. With a Z. So now, (laughs) love it, music, Mm -hmm. writing. But you eventually had this realization soon after that you wanted to pursue satire, comedy. You were first influenced by Monty Python, Spamalot. That's right. Yeah. Um, I I kind of slept on satire for a long time. Like, I didn't watch a ton of SNL. I didn't watch oh, I a ton of, that. like, The Daily Show or anything. Yeah, like, love that, too. I don't know. I think they just looked really, like, masculine-dominated comedy right. things. And I was, so like, you didn't a more see yourself. Drama. And there wasn't... And Joan Rivers was already off air. Yes. So you still didn't have that. Tracy Ullman, I think her show was already off air. I do not remember ever having. You don't remember Living Color? I remember. mm, No, I don't think. There was a lot of funny women on that too, and The Edge, and and The Edge. What was the other one? Um, the 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 one based off of the magazine, Mad TV. Oh, Mad TV. Yeah. Had a lot of females on. Yeah, I mean, like I would watch sketches from those shows after the internet became after like YouTube, you know, made them accessible. I'm I'm a few years. I'm just a few years above you. Just a few. Just quite a few. Yeah. But even even in my day, my day growing up, I remember black and white TV still being on repeat. So I oh, remember we had a black I, and white TV. Yeah. But we but, were old school. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but we actually had the program still repeating at nighttime. So I Love Lucy would still come on. Okay, yeah. And and the Honeymooners would still come on. And, um, oh my God, what is The her? early seasons of Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, I yes, think was... I Dream of Genie, Bewitched. Yeah. Oh, I was a big fan. Like, I watched a lot of TV Land when I was younger. Oh, there you go. See, but TV Land wasn't... We didn't have TV Land yet. We okay. didn't have cable. But these things came on regular television, regularly. That's pretty cool. Still, even dec- a decade or two after the Jeffersons, mm-hmm. I was a big Dynasty fan. Oh my, I've never watched Dynasty. Of course, I didn't really get the joke All the- of the joke, mm-hmm. you know, I just lived for the drama. Yeah. So, okay, so obviously, so what then, Monty Python didn't wasn't a flux of women either no it wasn't and i like never i never watched the movies or anything my dad just like got me and my mom tickets to the musical to the musical was it like what is it 2001 uh this is probably like five ish we probably went in like 2007 yeah or so yeah um and i just i had never seen satire done like that yeah like just witty. it invited you in too on on the joke yeah you understood 
Well, it was it was like a slap in the face of understanding what parody was and yes. how effective it could be. Sure. And I was a junior in college at the time, and shortly after I saw that, I had this like uh, like frying pan to the head kind of idea. I love it. <laughs> um, that I was in an <laughs> honors. <laughs> Thank you for the visual. Good <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have a. <laughs> oh, you make a sound effect. Uh, 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 I can probably do it. Yeah, I was but. looking for something. <laughs> I don't have many. Whatever, we'll just take that. Yeah, we can use our imagination. Um, yeah, but a I light had, bulb, if you will. Yes, and then you don't need a noise for that. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was a junior in college at the time and I was in an honors society for music majors and we were like taking new pledges, um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like an actual fraternity or anything. Um, but I had this idea to like create an intro video for the new pledges, um, that was using our favorite show at the time, which was The Office. Yes. Um, yes. So we did like a pair, we sort of like mapped the office onto what this honor society was. And there were a lot of like funny parallels that we could do with characters on the show and like characters you meet in the music department um, and just sort of like community standards yeah. and, you know, requirements of being there. It's, people don't realize, but this is how you know it's innate because it is mm. a switch. When you, when you see how clearly Not you can just map being something. a fan, but you have an eye. You have an ear for it. Oh my gosh, you're making me sound so fancy. You, it's. <laughs> I'm not just a fan of it. I mean, this is what what we love to do. We yeah. love it. Yeah, that was one of those moments you, in my life. You where, automatically yeah. see the world through a different lens. Yeah, I guess. And so. you had to strip away of taking yourself so seriously, the world so seriously, but it's still taking it seriously in terms of, well, I have something to say about that. Yeah. And, Just not the way, and I'm gonna keep saying want. it. I'm not gonna let anybody else like put me down. Yeah, not put me down, but you know, like stand in my way, obstruct me. Which <laughs> you is got stand in my way. <laughs> well, I think I did that for a lot of my one life. of your I mean, sketches. Of I think is when 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 you were pregnant. One of the sketches you did <laughs> when I was pregnant. The surrogates. Not in real you, life. Were, you were the Hollywood surrogates. Yeah, and you were like, I'm not gonna stand for this, and you stand up. Great joke. Physical. <laughs> It's written and Thank I you. loved it. I'm not so, sure I wrote that joke. That might have been a pitch from one of my. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah. I felt like it's one, of, but you helped write it, right. right? I'm yeah. I love the gag. Thank you. Um. Now before we move on, because mm. I know you have a lot of influences, and we're already running out of time. Ugh. Uh, we have something in common. We have lots of things in common. One of the things yes, we have in do. common. Um, we both made up our last names legally. I got married. I had to change my name, so we combined our last names. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I love when people do that. Yeah, we were like, let's combine our names. What was your name before, if you don't mind me asking? De La Torre. Okay, and what was his name? Figueroa. <laughs> and you got Albert from that? No, no, oh no, Albert, Alberto, Albert is my middle name. Oh. So my full name is Christopher Albert De La Roa. But Christopher Albert's my stage name. It's just easier. I gotcha. It's my real name. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just... The De La Roa part. Because I like it. De La Roa. <laughs> so much. Yeah. That's an amazing last name. Otherwise, they're like, De La Roa? De La Rosa? Forget it. But it's De La Roa with a J? No, just Roa. Oh, R-O-A. R-O-A? Yeah. Okay. I just... They just like assume that I there's going to be another yeah, letter you in know, it. Yeah. You know how it is. People mess up last names real bit. Oh, any name, really. So, do you care to share your last name? Mm, no. So my last name is Safe. My current last name. Your current, yes. Well, we know that. 
<laughs> right. You introduced me so well. So, <laughs> like sink. a pro. Have you done this before? Have you done this before? <laughs> um, yeah. When I uh, was growing up, up until the age of 22, my last name was Smith. Um, oh. Oh, God. You're giving me a smile. And I like it. Mary Smith. <laughs> it's so cute. Uh, yeah. My family's last name is still Smith. I just... Sure. Um, you know, like I said, when I was in college, I wanted to be an academic. And when you're an academic, uh, your last name is kind of important in your career because you end up publishing a lot of things and just in general yes. being referred to by your last name. Even though name. you could have a, still have a pen name. Yeah, you could. But why? I think for academics, I, mean, yes, I don't actually know because I'm not one, but I think that's probably less yes, common for, for them for, for to pap- have like yeah. a pen name. They want the publicity, yeah, I think. They want, yeah. they want to be able to be found. Um, as do I. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I just yes. like, I had a lot of issues with the name Smith growing up because I kind of, I just hated like being yeah. so and, common. And unless you were Granny Smith. Sure. You're going to get lost. Excellent in, apple. In a pile. <laughs> you're going to get lost in a pile somewhere. Yeah. Jane I, Smith. I really wanted something to just like, that made me feel distinguished. You know, that made me feel special. We were talking about that before. Um, yeah, but I didn't want to like change who I was too much. You didn't so I just, actually like, hate your out. parents' surname. That's you not, just you had yeah. your own reasons for it. Exactly. Yeah, I was a difficult child. So it's 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 still kind of sexist even for me to ask. I know we talk about this because we don't generally ask men. Oh, sexist. At least in comedy. Oh well, you're a man in comedy. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> And we're trying, and you know, there's a lot more women in comedy now, not just to look up to, but who are writers, who are comedians, who are sure. stand-ups, who are comic performers. Um, but generally, the perception is that male comics can cover subjects for everybody, mm-hmm. and women can just cover subjects on their periods <laughs> and motherdom <laughs> that is a perception and jokes about their mother-in-laws and their boyfriends and, and doing men. the dishes for their and husbands do, well not that archaic but you know generally and and then men can still and i've even heard from women comics that generally when they're watching men they can get away with anything if they're not funny up, up top they still people still give them some leeway they can recover but once a woman is labeled unfunny in the first five seconds mm. she's she's more harshly how do you feel about knowing i mean do you have any of these things when you're watching women or men i mean do you think consciously like wow i i automatically think this man is funny but am i giving other women a hard time about it when i'm watching comics do you judge women harsher <laughs> do you feel like you're being judged harsher or on a different playing field? I do think I judge women more harshly because Even as I women. because I am one and I like can't help but We've just all been conditioned. To, oh, got it. Yeah, for me I think that's where it stems from. Like if if I see a woman I had this one joke in one of my sets recently where I was Let's hear it. Oh, I can't. It's okay. so convoluted, but, but yes. I was talking about how like I I'm worried that I hate women, which is not true. It's a great premise. Um, because like whenever I see place. a successful woman, woman uh, not whenever, but like often if I see a successful woman, I'm just like kind of trying to dissect her success too much and figure out like where something How can I break her down? How, yes. Yeah. Well, which what's is just wrong this like stupid still. competitive, like, I don't know, instinct that I have. Um, and... 
you know, there's plenty that's been said about that in broad terms. And yes. But now, do you, I feel like the women are coming out of that and being more positive and uplifting towards one another and more accepting of each other's success. It's taken a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would accept the premise that it, like, you know, used to happen that women would cut each other uh, down, carry each other down, and that's then true. now it's changing. Like, I think that's kind of a misperception. Um, okay. I think people assume that all women are catty, and that has caused a lot of yes. problems in comedy. And yeah. now it's like, it's not even like, we're getting more women in comedy right now. Like the women have always been there. They've always yes. been wanting these jobs and like trying for them. But now that there's an understanding that like representation of more than just like a straight white yeah. dude's voice in a writer's room is Which important. we've always, yeah, right. Um, so let me, are, yeah. so I mean, oh, you're planning a, you're, so now you're planning a big career change in the fall. I am, yes. Uh, you're planning to quit your current stable job in law enforcement, presumably not border patrol. I am not border patrol. <laughs> oh god. You want to move to LA to pursue to per, per, to pursue TV writing. That's right. I uh yeah, I've been in New York for 5 years and I came here primarily for comedy. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't sort of ready to like bet everything on it. Like I came here yeah. with a stable job. Let's um and I just thought well, like you still oh, have to fund fund it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, like a job with, like with regular hours and benefits and all of that. And I was like, well, I'll, when I'm in New York, like I'll, I'll experiment with comedy classes and I'll see if it's something that I want to take bigger yes. risks on. And I kind of like ebbed and flowed a little bit over the last five years. And now I've kind of gotten to a point where with my day job, it's just so disillusioning that to, I can't uh, imagine a future for me without. there. You have to go all in. Yeah, I think I have to. And like, Does I'm that... 32, I'm unmarried. I don't have kids. Like I don't have a lot on the line. So I think... It's like hard for me to, wherever I end up in life, it's like hard for me to imagine being anywhere and like not regretting not taking this chance. You regret right? the choices, right? That's like a cliche, but it's true. You regret the choices you haven't made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what this is. That's what this is. You just don't want to wake up one day and be like, oh, I should have did that already. Right. It's but even still, one of my favorite, and this is how I keep going too, um... Gary Shandling. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing joke writer. Um, I always quote him because I have to <laughs> for myself. <laughs> um, there's a such thing day. as too early. There's not a mm. such thing as too late. That's really good advice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For me, that's definitely because you really can good be un, you can do something and be unprepared. And you're not ready, and you're just not ready. Yeah. That's um, true. But but if you have confidence that all your experience and you have enough tools in your toolbox, even though you still feel like you might not be ready, but you might still be ready at a certain point. I'm definitely if more you feel ready you than are, I've just ever jump been. In. Yeah. So now, women in late night TV. Um, but now you you on your website you have a you are de- a a dedicated writing section to late night humor and monologue jokes. Yeah, I started that section when I was in a late right, late night writing class. Love it. Um, and I, it's funny because I should have just like tweeted all those jokes. Like that's really where they belong. But, um, and I think I did tweet some of them, but in I wanted like some part, like you said, some dedicated part of my website where you could just like go to to see like what I would come up with 
Yeah, I love it. Of one section of time, so it's I just threw it in there. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you are still looking? That's part of what you're pursuing late night. Well, like I said just, before, like satire is really the thing that drew me away from academia and to comedy. That's the thing that like so sort of bridged the gap. The, um, and late night TV does that. Yeah. Um, I in would spades. Be tremen- <laughs> in space. What? In spades. Oh, in spades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to do it one day on spice. Yeah. <laughs> Make a force of it all. <laughs> yeah. We'll do comedy on the moon and. But just television, compete. I guess. Any any plot. I mean, any. Anything that's like making a point you know like I don't like I'm not a huge fan of TV for TV's sake you know like I don't know I I think it can be helpful to figure out I mean that's just a whole other conversation about that but then let's talk about then your own humor writing okay because um I know you had a you. You already have some successful. You have a piece in McSweeney's already, and I know you have another one come upcoming. That's correct. Um, um, is 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 this is is McSweeney's just online or are they printed as well? Uh, they I believe they do a, a quarterly printed humor yeah, magazine, but they're like primarily, and then and they publish books too. But they're primarily known for like the easily accessible online humor. Yeah. So when it, that piece, uh, you do translations of what the margin notes. Um, mean on a freshman composition paper from the instructor. Yeah, like your teacher march, marks up your paper Ooh, and like this is what they really mean. Really great. Um, you've also have a few pieces on littleoldladycomedy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, one of your pieces, uh, self-affirmations for writing and or masturbating. They're very similar things. They're very similar things. Uh, just one of them, some of them, which I, I, I love, this is, a way, this is a way better, this is way better than real human interaction. Um, it's harder with my pants on, but not impossible. Huh? I love that. Do you not write with your pants off? It's the only yeah, way I right. Can write. The only valid, valid excuse to stop, obviously, writing or masturbating is carpal tunnel. <laughs> but now moving along, one of the things in your list, um, you says I've had so many rejections. I do this for no one's pleasure but my own. And then another line: these struggles will be great fodder for my memoir one day. Yeah, which I love because first of all. Tell us then about some of the challenges you had so far in forging your own path into your comedic writing career. Ooh. Um, Well, when I was in grad school and I was starting to like finally realize all this great satire out there was watching SNL. And that's when I realized uh, that a lot of those people had backgrounds in improv comedy. Yes. Uh, I took improv classes as soon as I could. I had no experience in that at all, but I just decided like, okay, this is something I need to learn in order to get where I want to be. Um, and it really is, you know, because you have a background in improv as well. Like it's, it's a cult. Stop telling my business. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a way of life. It totally, it's just like sucks you in and like builds this awesome, like kind of incestuous community. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah sure. And so I was taking classes for like a full year and I was uh, lucky enough to make it onto a house team um, at the theater That's where amazing. I was performing. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big accomplishment. Um, but I six months later, I got cut from the team. Boo! Uh, thank you. That wasn't the Brick Penguin. No, Brick Penguin would never leave they me. Would, they would never. JK, they might. It was an know. umbrella. No, I don't think I this put this This is just something. Uh, oh, it was they a house team in DC. Screw them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because you asked about challenges. But you still got your wings. Got it. Yeah, got it. that was just something I guess that, sometimes you just don't fit. And that's okay. That's something that uh, you you have to make peace with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But, you know. I just, mean, 
um, Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh-huh. who's up for another Emmy Award. Hell yeah, she is. Didn't make SNL for too long, you know. She got fired. I <sighs> think I can't remember. She was on it. Very a whole young, a gaggle of Maybe others who have it, who haven't. Right. Yeah, Steve Carell didn't make SNL. that moves you, right? That moves you into the next. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have a problem with, like, veering too close to the everything happens for a reason mindset. No, well, well, you still have to make it happen. Yeah, totally. But it can move you. It can still, you can still use it as a way, I got to still go forward. Absolutely. Well, you have to. You have no choice other than just to, like, stay in bed, which is also something I've explored. Which you can. (laughs) We cry for a day or two. Yeah. But, right, it can propel you to the next thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's important to use it, like you said, to propel to the next thing, but to also, like, just... To not worship it too much as like the thing that changed your life and also not right. to hold on to your anger too much. Like, yeah. you know, if you make I it- feel like once you get to a certain place, though, like Julie Louis-Dreyfus, I'm sure wears that as a badge of honor. And what, I that was, she got? I was at one point fired from SNL, you know, like that's their loss. That's something yeah, you can be proud that's of. that's how about. she can say it. Yeah. <laughs> but I also, like, I would venture to say she probably doesn't care too much right no, now. No, like, not It anymore. just doesn't matter. It's not like she's mad at the people back But then. you have just, to enjoy the process along the way. You, you learn have to, to find anyway. ways to enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, I love how you like, no, I don't have to fucking accept it as a badge of honor. <laughs> I just have to move on. Badge of honor is uh, a bit of an... <laughs> Over. High bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that happened. Everybody has shitty things that happened to them. And. But yes, yeah, so now you talk. So you, yeah, so you have a lot of. You, you do a lot of humor writing, which I love, and you have there for people to read, by the way. Yes, I do. Um, you can find out all about her on NatalieSafe.com. S A Y T H. That's right. Um, But now your writing isn't just satirical, is it, it's not just witty. Um, they're also informative. You provide your readers with facts, figures, and other enlightenments. Well, you're giving me a lot of credit here. I don't know where this is going. Well, okay. So, like, um, one of your pieces, Insurance Claim Denial for Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Very includes factual. Includes actual injuries Harry Potter has sustained <laughs> in the movies and the books. Yeah. Uh, great piece. I used to work for AIG, so I loved it. Okay. I get it. Um, you're also a big advocate for pit. You're a big uh, pit bull advocate. Aww. So one of your pieces to my neighbor who has pit bulls. Mm-hmm. You actually provide scientific facts for why pit bulls aren't actually a danger themselves. Yeah, but you obviously write a satirical. Pe- you know, it's great because you are that person who are against pit bulls, but you still how somehow manage to say, you know, I get why they're not. <laughs> Well, but I still piece, feel like I'm in danger. <laughs> well, that piece I was writing from the opposite viewpoint that right. I, the author, actually hold. Which is great. Um, and, you know, there are people, there have been people close to me in my life you who have, you've had have pit issues bulls. with pit bulls. Yeah, or I had one who was yeah. like the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. She was just a miracle doggy. Um, yeah, and they're just so full of love. Not all of them, you know, I don't... Because they've been damaged. Uh, yeah, I mean... They've been abused. Yeah, they've I been just, trained to. I don't think and getting a little controversial, but I just I don't think any being like just comes out of the womb naturally. bad, you know. Right, like, we're all blank canvases, and that includes animals. Why yeah. not? Oh, totally. I mean, some things are natural, instinct, instinctual. Right, but you know for a fact, a pit bull's 
is not instinctually going to clamp onto your neck. Right. And I mean, that's not that comforting, I don't think, to like a parent of a young child who's like, well, I understand that it's still like a learned aggression. But if there is an aggression here, like I don't want my kid around like that's totally yeah. fair. But also like it's not just pit bulls that no. like, drives me bonkers. So and then, of course, you also have a piece on gun control. How important is it for you to not to just to have something to say? But we talked about it, but also having something poignant to say as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's everything. That's if I uh, reason. if I'm struggling for something original to say, that's when I have my like long stretches of not publishing something. Like I, I think I <laughs> to toot my own horn a little bit. Um, like I think I could be publishing more if I, <laughs> if I uh, like. I think I understand. Um, I understand certain styles pretty well, but I'm like pretty reluctant to compromise what I want to do to like fit another publication got it if that makes sense yes so like i always want to do like something full on i think part of the challenge in being a comedic writer in in any shape or form is you do have to practice in writing in other people's voices that's totally true right sometimes we have to adapt it especially if we want to write for someone else um because that's where the money is (laughs) that is true um and why not just have that but if it is your for yourself you're kind of like well do i do i want to water this down or Mm. do i want this to be full out my voice yeah because that at the end of the day that's what you're still polishing your voice and then eventually you'll find you know you then from there you could always figure out how to get paid to make it sound like someone else's i think i follow (laughs) (laughs) it's all about your voice yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so i guess that's also part of the challenge you're like i would really like to be a part of this publication but i feel like i don't want to lose too much of myself doing it i yeah i mean i don't want to like overstate my capabilities you know because I'm a woman and we don't do that Um, (laughs) I don't do that we're just it's not like I would probably compromise my writing style for more bylines if it didn't take so much effort like I know that I'm capable of it um it's just I guess why apologize for what you want to say oh yeah Yeah. no you shouldn't at all yeah well I, I again your pieces are great um, and I, I don't just say that. Um, so again, now you're moving. I, I I think we have time for a little game, but I don't know. That's Ooh. up to you because I feel like there's still so much to talk about. Ugh, there's so much to say about me. I'm a fascinating person. <laughs> um, that's what it says on my Hinge profile. Does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually skip. think Hinge is like kind of a hard dating app to like I guess I mean they design like the the prompts to be original and like different from Do you other find apps. do you find it as a sm- not just a smart woman but in dating you're also funny which obviously not everyone is or naturally and you're also working law enforcement to pay the bills. Yes. Um, but you're also a performer. Do men find that intimidating? 
Ooh, do you remind them question. that they're not following their live streams? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why I don't get any matches? Is that why you're not getting any matches, Natalie? <laughs> that's, that's really funny because like, I have this one line part of another stand-up that I've been doing recently where my therapist was, I was talking to my therapist about like some issues I've had with friendships with women recently sure. and how I feel like I just, I'm trying so hard to like make certain friendships work and they keep falling apart and I don't understand why. And I just end up two. getting so hurt. And I'm like, both. so I'm asking my therapist, like, you know, I, I don't understand like what I'm not doing to sync up with her right now. And my therapist goes, Natalie, do you think that maybe women treat you differently because they're intimidated? by how pretty you are <laughs> I was like, well <laughs> we can't feed my ego too much here yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not probably what this is not for. it <laughs> oh. because but it might be the other it might be that you yes you're not you should be proud you're not just a woman who is beautiful and who understands she is but you know you are also all these things that not just women, but men are afraid to do for themselves. Yeah, I guess so. Because you're, sure. you're I'm an intimidating monster. You're <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's why my relationships have not worked out, but you know, I'd say it's probably as much a problem for me as it is for anyone. I'll put it into this perspective, right? Because even in your writing, we know you love Harry Potter. We know you have the thing for Veronica Mars. It seeps in there. <laughs> oh, Things like this seep in, right? Uh -huh. We know that you know, we know the things you care about, whether it's gun control or being an advocate for pit bulls within your pieces, within your humor. We know you care about women's rights. Um, and I know you're you're working on a you're going to be working on a sketch, too, right now um, that plays on web series, our yeah. a web series that mm -hmm. plays on our ideals of what we think powerful women yes. and, and men relationships, not I'm even so identities. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. Does being vulnerable like that um, and, and share this information about yourself within your work, do you feel like that connects you to your audience and your readers more easily? Is it easy for you to be that vulnerable? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. vulnerable You just everywhere. made that decision. Uh, the the only decision way for to be vulnerable? Yes. <laughs> it's not I easy. Guess. You're right. It is like a brave thing to like put yourself in these sort of high-stakes situations. I guess I can... say that because... People around you might not understand. How can you be so sharing, open, and vulnerable and put yourself out there? I can't. I'm afraid to. Yes. And that could be intimidating. Yeah, that can be. But also, I think like most of the people I hang out with are other comedians who are doing that stuff anyway. So yeah. it doesn't seem that unusual for the community that no. I circulate in. No. But you're right. It is. It's a special thing. It's a hard thing. Yeah. But you. But but it is. I I feel like it has. Whether you realize it or not, a decision you've made for this to work, I have to go balls deep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Especially at this point in my life, it just feels like, yeah. So, obviously, we're running out of time. Tell us about your web series coming up. Okay. My web series coming up is called Feminist Cop. Um, it's based... <laughs> you mentioned a humor piece that I had published earlier about, like gun control and like the sex appeal of a woman yes and uh as you know i work in law enforcement and i feel like there's a lot of um there's there's a lot of the cool girl image circulating um you know that idea of the who wrote it was it the one who wrote gone girl um 
you know, just that like women have to be like tough and also like uh, cool and able to eat junk food and play video games and drink beer and burp and all of that. Yeah. And part of that sort of like masculine sex appeal is just being a good shot. There are a lot of uh, TV characters that sort of sexualize women for uh, being able to shoot guns really well, yeah. both in comedies and in sure. dramas. Just, just undo. Here's this gun, but undo some buttons in your blouse. Yeah, sexy. It's just I really resist the idea that like being able to shoot a gun well is something that like (laughs) makes an interesting female character. Right. Well, you also did a sketch too, right, of of being like an FBI or women in law enforcement, and you guys were purposely trying not to look too sexy for for because you guys were the security or or for for the president. Yeah, it was women working on the president's secret service detail. Yeah, Yeah, which is kind of playing off that idea as well you kind of touched on it yeah similar yeah so what is it do you feel like people do you want people to get from i guess your overall work in terms of who you are as a female whether whether it's men or women or your audience uh I think I just want people at the end of the day to take away that, you know, you're not done thinking about something. There's still another way to look at it. And if there's something about it that you don't understand or like someone's reaction to it that you don't understand, there's still something to learn. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be just one or the other. Right. I can be beautiful. I can be a badass. Very few things I can in be life a slob when I want to. I can whatever these things, but I don't, I don't have to be boxed into a label. Right. Um, which is difficult because you're moving to LA. <laughs> Label Central. Label Central. Not on are my you, are you, Does that scare you a little bit? Well, like the you superficiality can. of it? No, just the move. Oh, yeah, for sure. But you're not letting that stop you. It's just going to be so different. Like yes. a life that I haven't lived in so long that I, I think, think you'll like it. Yeah, you I hope so. You have blonde hair. Make it work. <laughs> I do try to make it work. <laughs> Sometimes it comes out a little brassy. <laughs> Natalie Saith, thank you so much. We can find you on NatalieSaith.com. That's S-A-Y-T-H. Her new last name. Her new identity. You're your own identity that you've started from scratch. I you're am all me. these things <laughs> who make you who you are. I contain multitudes. Um, we can find you on Natalie Saith on Twitter. Natalie Saith on Instagram. Yep, I'm easy to find. I'm the only Natalie Saith if you Google she me. She is the only Natalie Saith. I made sure of it. If there's a Natalie Smith out there, go sit on it. We don't care. <laughs> 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 sit on a big one. Sit on something sharp. Okay. We don't care who you are. All right. <laughs> Make it bleed. Um, for everything we do here, you can find us on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and for everything I do, JunkinJam.com. Thank you guys so very much for tuning in.